Well, Julia Kreutz, it's the second day in a row where I get to say this. An absolutely phenomenal start from a guy you can tab uh, on any given day to be your ace. Sterling stuff from Kevin Gosman all day long. 11 strikeouts over seven innings of work, which at the very least at the time the game ended, put him in the league lead league for uh, for uh, major league strikeouts. So 11 strikeouts, high is 41. I believe Jake DeGrom is pitching right now, so he might surpass him by the end of that game. But still, he ends the game with the, as the leader in strikeouts. Uh, this was from Codify Baseball, okay? The number of times a Blue Jays pitcher have had 11 strikeouts or more at Yankee Stadium, okay? Roger Clemens had 12 strikeouts on May 21st, 1997. Kevin Gosman today had 11 and that's it. That's it, is, it. It has only ever happened twice in the history of the Toronto Blue Jays visiting Yankee Stadium, old or new, which is pretty remarkable. That should uh, that should really paint a picture for you, really illustrate uh, how unique and special this performance was. And, and what a way to bounce back, right, show? We were talking about this in the pregame show. Kevin Gosman had a, a rough first inning his last time out against the Astros. He was pretty confident afterwards saying, look, I know that I'm not, this is not going to happen every time. I know the type of pitcher that I am. And he comes out and not only is his splitter working for him spectacularly, but also that fastball, which he threw more than usual today, uh, not just as a set of pitch, as Blake Murphy just said, but also as, as a pitch for strikeouts here. And that really, really opened up a lot of avenues for Kevin Gosman to dominate, which he did. The Yankees had Clark Schmidt on the mound. And I will say, I don't think anyone expected him to be as dominant as he was. My goodness. It was, uh, it was really impressive to see. It looked like a pitcher's duel for the most of it. And the Blue Jays, you know, able to give Kevin Gosman a much, much deserved win here to, to come through for their, for their starter like that was really cool to see an all-around, pretty well-rounded performance if you take away a little bit of the hard contact uh, uh, allowed by Adam Simber. But even so, uh, the Blue Jays will will be happy with this one regardless of uh, how you slice it. That is Julia Kreutz. I'm Show Ali. Welcome to Jay's Talk on the Sportsnet Radio Network. We're streaming live on sportsnet.ca and on the Sportsnet app as well. Taking your calls and texts, the phone lines are open. 416-870-0590, Zero five ninety star five ninety on your cellular device. Five ninety five ninety is where you can text us. That is the people's text line, and it is always open. Yeah, you know, real quick, Julia, on Clark Schmidt, we don't talk too much about him today, yeah. but I thank my lucky stars, honestly, that the Jays knocked him out of the game. Not, I mean, I'm glad they could have knocked him out in any number of ways, like by by nickel and diming him, babbing him, but whatever, right? But they they hit a couple of bombs off of him. And he got knocked out. The after the Jays batters for the first half of this ball game made him look like he was Pedro Martinez up yeah. there. I I was not really looking forward to the tone of the text just because I know because we've because we have seen that happen a couple of times where I remember and I think it was in 2021 or maybe it was even last year where the Athletics came to town and like Cole Irvin came off right. of, came out of nowhere and threw like seven shutout frames. It's like, it's happened a couple of times to, to the blue Jays over the past couple of years. And it feels when I guess, and it happens to every team, but I suppose it feels like it shouldn't when you have such a talented, uh, talented group of position players like the blue Jays do. But 
I am glad, even though he did set a new career high in strikeouts, I am very glad <laughs> that uh, Vladdy and uh, and Varsho both got to him and ultimately uh, knocked him out. Yeah, and it's like you said, it, it will happen, and it will happen to every team regardless of how talented their lineup is, but it's not going to be the norm. And what happened here was that, well, at least what I my interpretation of what happened is, was that the Blue Jays needed a couple of times through the order to actually see Clark Schmidt and understand what his game plan was. And that is when the talent and just the really the natural power of this lineup can really shine through. It's you take that knowledge, you really let it sink in. You talk about it in the dugout and you come back out and you capitalize on what you've learned. So the talent is there. The Blue Jays just maybe needed a second look and some time to make adjustments to what Clark Schmidt had to offer here as a starter which is not something that we have seen a whole lot from him, right? He is a starter right now, kind of out of necessity for for the Yankees because they are dealing with a lot of injuries. But this is where the talent and the versatility of that lineup really come in and and really shine through. You can't expect a lineup that has Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Dalton Varsho in it to struggle for very long. And that is what we saw today. Uh, at Yankee Stadium, no less, which is uh, it's got to be particularly special for Blue Jays fans. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. I think any time you leave the home ballpark of another team feels great. Anytime you leave the home ballpark of an AL East rival feels even better. And when you leave the home ballpark of the New York Yankees, I think it feels the best. I think that's the best, the best one. It feels like the Jays ultimately on this whole road trip. If we look back, not just on this one game, but going back to this whole six game road trip, right? Julia, the Jays ultimately go three and three on a Houston, New York road trip. Yeah. That is, I think, something, given the competition and keeping in mind that it could have very easily been 4-2 and, you know, the results of yesterday's game. We talked about a lot about that yesterday. That's a part of baseball as well. But 3-3 three and three through Minute Maid and the Bronx, I think that has got to feel really good knowing that you're going to go, and again, the White Sox and Mariners, you're not going to say, oh, well, you should sweep those two teams, right? Because, that again, baseball probably doesn't allow for that. So hard, it's hard to sweep teams, just for sure. generally speaking. But regardless of the the, the level of, of competition being a little different with the White Sox and Mariners versus the Astros and Yankees, going 3-3 three and three on a road trip, especially given a very road-heavy first month of the schedule, has got to feel pretty good. It has got to be uh, to to feel good, and, and it's it, that is so true. Show you know it was a brutal schedule to start the year, a long time away from home. They come in for a quick couple of series, and they're right out again. And the strength of schedule is pretty unbelievable when you look at what the Blue Jays, the the, the adversaries that the Blue Jays have had here to start the year. Managers will be very quick to tell you that whenever you leave a road trip at five hundred. It means it's a success. I would say it is especially so this time around with the the way that the Astros were were playing in that series. The Astros were slow off the gate to start the year, but you can never really count them out. And 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 when they sort of realized and came to terms with, okay, this is a this is a slow start for us. We are familiar with this. We're going to start turning things around. To the Blue Jays, maybe bad luck. That's when they rolled into into town. And we really saw that resurgence that is so characteristic of the Astros. And with the Yankees here, the Yankees are always going to be a powerful team. There is really no way around it. It doesn't really matter how many injuries they sustain. They have the depth to to make up for that. And and we saw that too. We saw different guys uh, sort of play hero for, for the Yankees 
yesterday. It's a pretty telling, though, show that, you know, Anthony Volpe, the guy that got the the two-run homer uh, yesterday, was maybe, you know, one of the big one of the big contributors to the Blue Jays win today cuz Clark Schmidt's three runs were all unearned on an Anthony Volpe uh, error. Yeah. It's true. And uh, you were joking, we were joking during the game about, oh, Isaiah Canner Falefa would have made would have made, made the those play. plays. <laughs> <laughs> Volpe, you know, it's true. The guy's he's young. He's probably going to improve over the course of a long period of time cuz he's okay, the, the kid's probably going to be the the shortstop of the Certainly. present and future for the New York Yankees, but uh yeah, Clark Schmidt, I am I'm very happy the Blue Jays got to him, knocked him out. Kevin Gosman came back out, got the win. I see a text here on the text line further to that uh, that stat from Codify about how Roger Clemens is the only other pitcher with more than 11 strikeouts at Yankee Stadium as a Blue Jay. Right. Um, Graham says, Clemens probably pitched the whole game. Could you imagine if Gosman had that <laughs> chance? I just looked it up. I was actually just, uh, just curious. Uh, Roger Clemens pitched eight innings, and he had 12 strikeouts over eight innings. He allowed one earned run. And he gave up four hits. So, I mean, Roger Clemens was 8-0 at that point of the season. Dan Plezak and Mike Timlin closed out the game in the ninth inning. But still, <laughs> but still, I mean, like, like eight innings, four hits, an earned run, and 12 strikeouts from Roger Clemens in 1997 is phenomenal. I actually think 11 strikeouts over seven innings with three hits today is, I, I dare say in 2023, maybe maybe even a little bit more impressive. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm okay with you saying that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to disagree. The, the, the way that things have gone this year, especially when it comes to offense uh, with all of the technology and the added statistics that we have to the game, the fact that Kevin Gosman pulled that off is more impressive. I believe in my mind. And again, I don't want to disparage any legends. Far, yeah, sure. Far from no, it. Me neither. But, uh, but, when, when you look at what Kevin Gosman did today in the climate that we currently are with, with Major League Baseball and its offense, that has got to be up there as, as one of the best regular season performances we've seen from a Blue Jays pitcher against the Yankees. Uh, Dylan in Toronto says on the text line, Astros jumped all over Gosman with sliders that put him behind the count. High fastballs that were very predictable today. Fastball command all over the zone, which made them second guess anything low. They couldn't spit on the splitter. And it made all the difference. Um, Jeffrey from Oshawa says kudos to the outfield defense, which is absolutely true. I think it's a good point from Jeffrey because you look at what the Blue Jays got in the outfield today. And, and today was like the three optimal outfielders out there. George Springer, uh, certainly Dalton Varsho and Kevin Kiermeyer as well. Uh, Kiermeyer and Varsho particularly were quite active today. And we saw a number of plays, Julia, where Swanson was coming. He, had, he There was a ball that Swanson, he put the glove basically right next to his cheekbone to make the catch. It kind of looked like he came back in to make the catch. And the ball, if he had broken it, maybe slight, a couple of inches either way, maybe it would have hit him in the face. But he still managed to get the, make the catch. Uh, Kevin Kiermeyer with a number of kind of winding routes to get to the ball, including one where he kind of lifted his hand over, like, uh, facing away from the ball, lifting his hand away from him to make a, a running grab to end an inning. And he did that a couple of times. And this is, this is not to disparage the outfield of 2022, but to make the, to see the difference in between 22 and the outfield of 23, it is almost like night and day like the outfield defense is incredibly impressive and i think that is one of my favorite storylines here in 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 2023 listen i i will say that adam simber would have probably gotten into trouble a little bit earlier in that ninth inning had it not been for the outfield defense because anthony volpe comes in and lines out in the ninth 
that had an expected batting average of 730 with an 102 exit velocity off the bat. So that really tells you that, uh, and I believe that was the that was a ball that oh that was the Matt Chapman, the Matt Chapman. Yes, the grab, Volpe hit right, right to Chapman's glove. Yeah, yeah. So and then Aaron Judge comes in and lines out again 98 off the bat, uh, a pretty high expected batting average there. And Dalton Varsho goes ahead and, and, and makes that catch. On, a, on one knee. So there, so there you go. It, it, it would have been, it could have gotten away from the Blue Jays right there. And sure, Simber still got into trouble. He allowed a lot of hard contact today. But were it not for that defense and it being as optimal as it is right now, really, really putting on a clinic uh, defensively, the, 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 the Blue Jays are right now, that game could have gotten a bit more interesting than Ooh. than Toronto uh, anticipated. <laughs> and, and, and that is really what separates the good teams from the great teams, is being able to hold on to a win, even though the guy on the mound is not necessarily giving you his best stuff, and, and having all those different ways of rounding out a win. And we saw that today, certainly from the bats, certainly from the starting pitcher, and then the defense uh, did its job as well as it was supposed to. Yeah, the bullpen, and I will give all the credit in the world to Eric Swanson coming down and just just shutting things down. But he also faced the seven eight nine batters. It was almost it was actually a very similar situation to yesterday's game. Seven innings from your starter, albeit Gosman was at one hundred and three pitches when he exited versus the eighty five from Manoa. We don't have to necessarily relitigate that, <laughs> but seven innings from your starter. Swanson had gotten up in yesterday's game. He did not make an appearance today. He did make an appearance and much like Jimmy Garcia faced yesterday, he faced the seven, eight, nine batters and he made quick work of them. It was a very quick half inning of work. And then we saw Simber for the ninth and Jordan Romano did get up. And then as the, as the, we, the, the, the lead widened combine those words there for half second as the lead, as the lead widened, they, uh, they, they sat Romano down and then we got Simber again. And then as things got a little dicey in the ninth, Romano had to kind of get back up again, which is a bit unfortunate, but, and we'll get to more on Simber in a sec, but the bullpen still probably the one part of this team that is, as you're coming home after a, like a week long road trip, that is a little bit shaky right now. There are guys who are, I, I love using the term circle of trust yeah. when it comes to relievers right this second, even like disregarding their body of work right this second, the reliever, maybe even a little bit more, which sounds wild to say, maybe even a little bit more than Jordan Romano and Jimmy Garcia, the reliever that's the closest perhaps to the circle of trust right this second might be Eric Swanson. He has been, he has been very reliable. And and that is why the Blue Jays traded for him in the first place is because they needed that extra presence and a guy that will shut things down. And, you know, it's as close as you will get to a guaranteed thing. And again, don't quote me on that because nothing Nothing in Major League Baseball or the AL East is guaranteed, but that is why the Blue Jays went ahead and acquired Eric Swanson. Now, that circle of trust show, to you know, borrow your term here, I believe still needs to be a little bit wider than it is right now. Yeah. It's still a bit close for comfort, I would say, for the Blue Jays, and that is probably an area that we are going to see some movement come trade deadline. I know that we're still a ways away from that, there's still a lot to happen. A guy like Mitch White is still to come back. Who knows? Maybe a guy like Nate Pearson or Yasser Zulueta will make the pen at some point and be able to contribute. But it does seem like the Blue Jays will have to be active in the trade uh, market regarding the the bullpen. And this is nothing new, right? This narrative uh, for Toronto 
has been sort of a pattern for a little bit now. But the Blue Jays are certainly getting closer. And that will be the difference maker in October. It's important to win these games now and to gauge where the bullpen is and sort of raise these questions or concerns. But really what is this is leading to is October. And we understand that seasons end because maybe a bullpen is less prepared than it should be. So this is about today's game as much as it is about the road ahead. Absolutely. I, I do think when it comes to first options up, at least internal options out of the bullpen, because you're probably right in that the uh, bullpen will ultimately be the best augmented. Even if you did call up Nate Pearson, it would probably be the best augmented via trade. And uh, some people have texted in to say, what about Errol this Chapman? And I mean, like Errol, I mean, he's a hard throwing lefty probably that makes the bullpen better, but, and he also strikes me as someone who was signed by the Royals in the first place to be traded. Like, I don't think the Royals are not winning the world series this year. Uh, so I think they, they basically signed Chapman as a chance for him to get a little, get right a little bit and a chance for them to get like something back for him, given that he is a rental. I don't know if that's going to be the guy necessarily, maybe a, a Bedner or a, or a Bard somewhere. Maybe they're still available depending on how those seasons are going for those teams. Right. But it is, it is going to be a, I think right now that's the biggest question mark, but still you, you take it after a, a five, one win over the Yankees taking the first series of the season from the uh, division rival, right. New York Yankees. Uh, let's go to the phone lines, Julia. Phone lines are always open for one, six, eight, seven, Oh, zero five, 90, one, triple eight, triple six, zero five, 90 star five, 90 on your cell. Let's go to Charles calling in from Jersey. Charles, welcome to Jay's talk. How's it going today? Hey, going great. Uh, hey, show. I, I agree with you. I think the one area that uh, is kind of the uh, the missing link of strength is the bullpen. But we'll get to that. I'm actually calling in just a couple of things. First of all, if you go on MLB.com, it's great to see right there on the, on the front page. You know, he won't play for the Yanks, but Vlad makes them pay, and they got to <laughs> they, they got to lock him up. I mean, they, it, it, it's you know the best news of the weekend. It was was Vladimir. Guerrero telling us that I'm never going to play for the Yankees. I mean, I know that sounds very uh, cynical, but I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome to have, you know, kind of a homegrown player. I mean, coming up in Canada and I think he's just, you know, the the, the Jays got to lock him up already. And I'm just worried, you know, as we get closer, you know, to him, you know, eventually reaching uh, free agency, you know, you're not going to have as much leverage. I think that's a fair, it's a fair point. Charles, and I appreciate the call. Thank you for calling in here. I, I, I do think it's a great point. And Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Julia, has not been shy about no. making his feelings about he wanting to get paid specifically by the Toronto Blue Jays yes. known. Like, I think it was after the first home run he hit in the off of Domingo Herman on the first game of the series. And, you know, like the, there's a camera right at the end of the dugout. And he was like, he runs to the end of the dugout and he did the money sign. Like he did the, like the kind of rubs his fingers together, his thumb and his first couple of fingers together, making the money sign. I thought that was funny. I mean, Vladdy is also just like, the kind of guy who like someone who does that kind of thing, like he yes. thinks, like, like he likes to mess around, likes to be funny. And, yeah. and I, so I totally support it. I think it's great, but I, I do like if there, I suppose the time to lock him up probably was last season in a quote unquote down year when he still had almost hit over 30 home runs and had almost a hundred RBI. And this year, probably looking at the very least more similar to his 2021 self than his 2022 self. And I would still make the argument as I just did, that the 2022 Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was still someone you uh, take Absolutely. 10 times out of 10, basically. Absolutely. It, not only his stats support that show, it, his season 
so far has looked more like 21 than 22, but also his mindset, right? His mentality, the fact that he can come into the ballpark, hit homers, hit opposite field homers that just mean that he's really seeing the ball extremely well and letting the power speak for itself instead of trying too hard. And then he also gets to play around. That tells you a lot about where Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is at. We know that he struggled mentally last year because he's been very vocal about it since spring training and saying, hey, I was trying to do too much. I was trying to be the MVP guy and I let things get away from me a little bit. And, and now you look at his stats, they do look closer to his uh, runner-up MVP than they did uh, to last year. And he's just more relaxed, yep. right? He's, uh, he's making the, the money sign and, and he's laughing and he's talking about never wanting to play for the Yankees, which honestly, it, it, it's pretty encouraging if you're the Blue Jays to hear something like that. Because first, that eliminates a, a major competitor for his services. And second it probably means that his loyalties are very well aligned with where you want them to be, Yeah. right? So this is going to be a fascinating discussion until it comes to fruition. And then whether or not Guerrero stays, I think that we're never going to stop talking about it, regardless of, of, of what it is that happens, right? Do you, think, do you think whenever that number comes in, <laughs> do you think it starts with a four or a three? It, what do you think? Boy. Because I'm going to say three. These contracts are getting more and more yeah. wild, right? It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. And if you have to make the numbers start with a four to keep Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in Toronto, mm-hmm. I would say you do it, right? Mm-hmm. Then, again, you have other questions like financial flexibility. What do you do with... Alec Manoa, when it's time to sign him, does that mean that Matt Chapman is going to walk? So there's so much to consider when it comes to the financial ability of the Blue Jays to make a deal happen like that. But for now, you can kind of just enjoy the fact that Guerrero destroyed the Yankees and then did the money sign in the dugout. That is is also fair. I I do enjoy watching him hit. Uh, I I enjoy, to Charles' point, I enjoy him hearing, hearing him say, I will never play for the Yankees, even when I am dead. And then on top of that, hitting two massive home runs in two separate games. That is like that. If there's, if there's a better way to endear yourself to a fan base, you are probably pretty well ingrained with. I don't, I don't know what it is. I, I, I'm not sure. He like you, he talked the talk and then he backed it up in of all places, New York city. So I think he great stuff to see. I see a text here from actually, I'm just going to combine a couple of these texts because they all are getting to the same, same point. So Jay from Regina, a massive shout out to the Jays starting pitchers who absolutely shut down the Yankees bats. Hopefully their effective pitching will rub off on the inconsistent bullpen. I certainly hope so. Um, I see one here from uh, let's see here. Mara from Brent. Let's take a huge positive look at this team. We gave Tampa two of their three losses this year. And we're the only team the Yankees have lost the series to. We will iron out the other stuff. Those are two big credits at this point in the season. 1,000% agreed. Brian from Toronto, three and three trip. You take that. The rotation last outings from each of the five was fabulous. And and and, and uh, David from Dartmouth, good game with hits, two outs, great starting pitchers, all games to turn the tide. There's no name on this one, Julia, but it just says, can we talk about the 0.45 ERA by the starters in this series? So thank you for texting everyone. Thank you for texting and still some time to do so. So I'm going to, I'm going to read you the stats for the three starts 
from the Blue Jays rotation in New York. Do okay? it. Uh, and you tell me if this is a, a hashtag good or not, okay? All right. Uh, you say Kikuchi, six innings, one earned run, three strikeouts. Alec Manoa, seven innings, zero earned runs, two hits overall and a walk, five strikeouts. Kevin Gossman today, seven innings, zero run, earned runs, three hits overall, 11 strikeouts. My sources tell me, I'm being told, that is, as the kids say, pretty good. You had me at you say Kikuchi. <laughs> no, no, no. This is... Uh, He's been great this year. Th- I, I know. I, I've been saying that since last year. <laughs> it's true. Listen, yeah. listen. I've been on the bandwagon for a long time. But no, this is what the Blue Jays rotation is supposed to be, right? Uh, we knew that it was going to be a strength. We didn't know what to expect from Yusei Kikuchi or even from Jose Barrios. But the fact that they seem to be turning things around, yes, there was the odd inconsistent outing for both of them this season there has been that so I would say you need a little bit longer a little bit bigger of a sample size to really say that you know they have turned a page or they have turned the tide but the Blue Jays will take it the Blue Jays will take it every single time especially when you're talking about facing teams such as the Astros and the Yankees who are playoff teams perennially so so you will take it that is hashtag good as the kids say Mm -hmm. And it's very, very encouraging uh, for, you know, the Blue Jays return home and in, in the teams that they have next on the calendar. As for the bullpen, it also helps that starters are, are giving them such consistent quality outings because that saves you the arms, right? Jordan Romano didn't have to come in today because, one, Kevin Gosman dominated, and two, the Blue Jays' bats gave them enough of a lead that they could just sit Romano down and let Simber sort of figure it out. Right. So there is that. I will say that 100% you have to take the the 500 road trip. You have to take these wins. But the circle of trust in the bullpen needs to be a little bit wider than it is right now. And this is not me trying to be a Debbie Downer. This is just me, you know, <laughs> taking the good with the bad and uh, giving you my most sincere analysis. Okay, here. so for, for Julia's circle of trust... If is if Swanson is in the middle, who is next to him? Is it like Zach Pop? Is it still Jimmy Garcia? Like I'm curious. I would I would put Garcia in there still. Okay. I know that he hasn't been super himself even. Yeah. Right this season. He's uh, also a free agent at the end of the season, so he like for his own sake he needs to turn that around. Figure it out pretty yeah. fast. Yes. Uh, Zach Pop is getting there. His last outing was pretty shaky, but he has proven that he can do a whole lot this season we were talking off the air show he has pitched a lot he has like he more has than i ever expected he would pitch yeah and in situations that you know i would perhaps look at a more experienced arm or, or someone that i that i know a little bit more or have a little bit more of a track record with but he has mostly succeeded in in whatever the blue jays have asked him to do and that's pretty cool you do need a little bit more time to really see what pop is is about here but so far i would say that his season has been a success story now when mitch white comes back is spot is pop still hanging out hanging around or are we going to see him get sent down uh, because he is one of the, the the arms here that have some options and when white comes back i i gotta i gotta believe that you that you bring white up and uh i think so 
and then Zach Pop would be a, ma- a major candidate to, to to go down, I believe. I don't think that means he's going to go down and stay down no. the rest of the season, just no. as they kind of manipulate the roster a little bit, perhaps. But he has done enough that that it will be a difficult decision yeah. for, for, for the Blue Jays. I would not put Adam Simber in that circle of trust right now, especially seeing how much hard contact he gave up today. Tim Mays is always in there just for the fact that he is a lefty, right? <laughs> yeah. And then you have Jordan Romano. Yeah, it's true. Trevor Richards is is a fascinating one as it comes to the state of the bullpen, o- like only because when he is not on his game, he looks like he needs to be released essentially. Right. And when he and when he is pitching well, he is phenomenal. And I think he has, at the very least, for the most part of his appearances this year has made the case for why he is still a member of the bullpen, right? Like the changeup has looked pretty good. Yeah. And when he is, when he's, when it's on, he is on and he has been pretty effective so far. Again, am I making the argument for Trevor Richards to be in the inner circle of trust? No, because he's not at least right now, but as a guy right. without options, you can't send him down because the way he's been pitching and just generally speaking, he'd probably get claimed by another team on waivers if he had to go through waivers. For sure. And I think the Jays don't necessarily want to, that game it's really interesting too because the more we do this or i go on podcasts or you just talk to fans in general you go on twitter right the opinion of trevor richards shifts so fast among blue jays fans and that to me is a phenomenon that i noticed last year it continues this year it's either we love him or release him which has been pretty interesting to observe you know as an as an outside <laughs> looking in type yeah, of yeah. type of perspective and, and really just being a reporter um always interesting to gauge sort of where where the mentality is towards uh richards i don't see a lot of nuance it's either or for yeah. blue jays fans which is a pretty funny thing yeah there's a lot of like i think we, we can engage in a lot of shades of gray discussion with a lot of different guys it's, it's pretty black or white with uh, <laughs> with richards maybe like him and one a couple other guys like kevin biggio perhaps but as far as the bullpen is concerned certainly seems like trevor richards is that guy um before we take a quick break yes. let's get back to the phone lines 416-870-0590 590 star 590 on your cell phone uh shane joining us here on jstock shake shane calling from Mississauga. How's it going out there in the 905, Shane? Not too bad, not too bad. Um, been listening in. <clears throat> Definitely in agreement with you guys on the bullpen, but I want to switch it up a little bit. Sure. Because I really think that our offense is what's going to carry us for the year. Definitely got to worry about the pitching at some point. Definitely got to get Pearson up in the pen at some point, too. Uh, but my main suggestion, I think, to get everybody firing on all cylinders is Look, Springer is definitely the greatest leadoff hitter of all time since Ricky Henderson, but I think that ship has sailed now, and I think two-hit wit for this lineup would definitely be a better leadoff hitter for us. And taking advantage of Springer, sure, he might lose 10 or 12 at-bats throughout the year, but he's going to gain 10, 15, 20 at-bats with the bases loaded, with people on second and third, with you know first and second. He's going to be a lot more beneficial hitting, say, in the fourth, fifth, sixth spot than he would, say, hitting first now for us. What do you guys say? Hey, Shane, appreciate the call. I don't mind the suggestion. Thanks for joining us on Jay's Talk. I, I, I'll say this. I don't think it is particularly likely that he gets moved out of the leadoff spot. I wouldn't, at least while he is scuffling a little bit, I wouldn't mind seeing him be moved out of the leadoff spot. I am kind of with Shane in that regard, but because because you're not, like, for example, Whit Merrifield bat, he was at the seven hole today, and Springer obviously let off. I don't think Shane is, like he just said, he's not suggesting to move Springer to seven and move Merrifield to one. Like, if you, in theory, you could still have Springer batting cleanup or batting even third, and it would probably accomplish 
something relatively similar. I, 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 I'm not sure if I would have Merrifield lead off, even though he did obviously has led off for the Royals when he was still playing for them, like for a number of years. So it's not, it's not something that is completely alien. So I don't, it's not a terrible suggestion by any means, but if you're taking Springer out of the leadoff spot, I think I'd rather have, I don't know, Bo bat leadoff or, you know, so maybe even <laughs> it's crazy to say Kiermaier bat leadoff, mm-hmm. for example, right. Then, then, then Merrifield, but it's not a bad suggestion to have Springer move out of there. Yeah. It, that, that doesn't sound crazy to me at all. I would say that Kevin Kiermaier would be a good candidate were the Blue Jays to entertain Shake the idea up, yeah. of, of, of moving a Springer out of there. Uh, don't mind Witt at all either. He has been uh, pretty consistently getting on base for the Blue Jays and using his base running aggressiveness a little bit more than he did last year. I wouldn't mind that at all. I hadn't necessarily put a lot of thought into that but it makes sense, especially while Springer is still kind of trying to find his footing here. He has been slumping a little bit. And at times he shows flashes of maybe starting to get out of it. And then he doesn't. Right. Yeah, and then yeah. something else happens and, and he's slumping and he and he stays uh, sort of sort of down. So that would not be a bad idea. And we have seen John Schneider be aggressive with his uh, lineup changes before. Bo Bichette is living proof of that. It worked for him, right? He went on that absolute tear in September. So there there might be something there. I wonder if Springer's veteran status plays a little bit into this as well. You know, he is a guy that you can't really count on slumping for very long. And he is a tremendous leadoff batter, right? He is the guy that can be the difference maker in the very first at bat of that game. So not a bad idea to maybe entertain the thought and give or assess what the, what the options are here. Do I realistically see that happening in the short term? I do not. I mean, it, it took basically, I want to say half a season of Bo Bichette struggling last year. And I mean, he was on fire from like end of August, the end of the season effectively but uh, before that point it took almost the entire I think it took basically the entire first half even going past the all-star break for him to be moved out of the two or three hole right like I think remember he bat a little he bat like a little lower in the lineup after that and that he struggled for a very long time and then because he's an elite player he picked it up and the all all was well by the end of the season so I think it would take a lot more of what we're seeing from Springer right now to have him moved out of that spot and even in Houston we had seen uh, he he was maybe like an, an Alex Bregman catch away from lacing a two run or maybe even a bases clearing double right down the left right. field line. And maybe we're Some having bad a, luck. Yeah, maybe we're, well. maybe we're having a slightly different conversation. Uh, that's Julia Kreutz. I'm show Ali. Let's take a very quick break. And when we return, we'll go back to the phone lines. A couple of people on hold. Stay on the line for us, please. Go back to the text line as well. You're listening to Jay's Talk Show and Julia on the Sportsnet Radio Network. A one, two. Swing and a miss. Got him with a fastball. Strikeout number eight for Kevin Gosman. At least in the positive direction for sure. And, um, you know, you, you get excited to see him again. Fastball on the outside half. Strike three taken by Braza. Strikeout number nine for Kevin Gosman. The 2-2. Two, two. Swing and a miss at the splitter. Strikeout number 10 for Kevin Gosman. And his shutout work continues in the Bronx. Now through five. The payoff. Swing and a miss. Third time that Volpe's gone in the glove. Strikeout number 11 for Kevin Gosman. Got it for the second time this season. 
That is Ben Wagner with the call of a couple of Kevin Gosman's 11 strikeouts over seven innings of work as the Blue Jays wrap up a 5-1 win in New York. They take the series as well. Welcome back to Jays Talk. Show Ali, Julia Kreutz here with you for a couple more minutes. Uh, before we go back to the phone lines, Julia, and the text line, let's do the Major League Standings Watch presented by Bet365. With Bet365, you can bet on things like player props, totals, or game outcomes across many different sports, 19-plus play responsibly, Ontario only. So uh, a number of games already done today. Uh, the Boston Red Sox are in action right now, but Tampa, they also wrapped up a 4-1 win over the White Sox earlier this afternoon. 22nd game in a row with a home run for uh, the Tampa Bay Rays. The record, if you're curious, is the 2019 New York Yankees with 31. Oh. Oh, indeed. The Tampa Bay Rays are now 19-3 and after their win. Baltimore is 14-7. and uh, With a loss, the Yankees dropped to 13-9. With the win, the Blue Jays improved to 13-9. And again, right now, the Red Sox are playing the Brewers in Milwaukee. So entering play, they are 11-11. and 11. But even with a win, they're still going to be a game and a half back. But that is the Major League Standings Watch here on Jay's Talk. Uh, let's quickly go back to the phone lines, Julia. Let's squeeze in Absolutely. one more caller. And we'll get to Brian joining us from London. Brian, welcome to Jay's Talk. I assume London, Ontario, not London, the UK, right? Correct. Okay. Correct, yes. right. Well, thank you for joining us. Well, while we were, while we were on break there, I... Uh, I just wrote down some notes just so that I'm uh, efficient with it. I know we're short on time, but uh, uh, just great management. I really think it's been great management so far. And honestly, walking into today, I really don't think I really didn't think that uh, getting out of New York with a uh, series win was, uh, I thought it was unlikely. I would, I would have, if I was to bet money on it, I would have said no, but I just think that you guys were talking about the Richards thing against, uh, I think saving him for less quality uh, batters, like in in theory, you know, we've we've had the strength of schedule. You guys have mentioned that too. I think keeping him around, I think he'll get back into a decent average where it's respectable. And then the other thing I thought about too, where I was kind of a little bit ticked off about it when Alejandro was on first base there at the end when we needed runs and and everything, and and uh, and I just thought that leaving him on first base was a mistake. But then he became the weakness, and I think that was intentional. He became the weakness running the second, where um, putting a pinch runner in, if you got a hit, that allowed that run to come in and made it the play at second, and I thought that was just really well thought out. Hopefully it was planned. I don't know, but hopefully it was planned. That's all i got to say. Hey, Brian, thank you for calling into JSOC. Appreciate you joining us. I would say, uh, on Brian's kind of overall point about John Schneider's managerial decisions, like he hasn't been a manager for a full season yet, I guess, because yeah. the change was made after the All-Star break last year. I think on the whole, the decisions have been by and large good because, for example, like to go back to the Richards thing, and we obviously we didn't see Richards today, but you go back to Jimmy Garcia yesterday and Simber today, because I see some text on the text line being like, oh, what a terrible decision. I think the truth is in both cases, and Ben talked about this today, Ben Wagner, he talked about how they were effectively get right situations for both Jimmy Garcia seven eight nine yesterday in the in the eighth inning, and then for uh, Simber today. And again, Simber was facing the top of the order. Volpe was the very first batter, and he's the leadoff batter for New York. And they hadn't changed anyone around because the ba- the big bats were coming up. But it was a get right situation, and they uh, did did not exactly get right. But I don't know that for me at least. I don't know that that's on John Schneider. That's more on like them more than anything else. I think. Yeah, and, and like we said, and and, and I even brought it up with you while the game was still happening. I said, you have to sit Jordan Romano down if they get a couple of insurance runs here, right? You have to do it. And that is what happened. 
I'm sure that John Schneider would rather let Adam Simber figure it out, give him the chance to, to maybe get right, and sit Jordan Romano instead of pitching him two days in a row as you're about to come home and you know face a couple of teams that have some power potential as well in the Mariners and the White Sox. I don't... I, I, I agree with our caller. I think that the, the, the managerial decisions have been well thought out, and John Schneider is very cerebral in his in his answers as well, when he's breaking down why it is that certain decisions were made. It's um, hindsight is always going to be an interesting thing in which you can kind of look back and say, okay, well, maybe they should have done this. Yes, that's right. But you get, you take that data, you collect it and you learn for next time and, and, and you make adjustments accordingly. That is certainly what the Blue Jays uh, took away from yesterday's loss. And that is also what the Blue Jays are going to take away from today's win. So as long as those decisions are well thought out, um, the Blue Jays are going to be fine. And let's not forget that there is an entire coaching staff behind John Schneider as well, advising him. Guys like Don Mattingly and Pete Walker are there and present. And, and, and Schneider has been very vocal about listening to them and enjoying the fact that these guys are not afraid to disagree and, and, and really are collaborative in the way that they are managing the team. So this all comes into play and so far, it has been a recipe for success for yeah. Toronto. Yeah, I think I think um, I think Blair and Barker might refer to that as uh, speaking to the khakis, but uh, <laughs> maybe they're not entirely always wrong. But I uh, hey, I'm not going to complain too much about the uh, the decisions of John Schneider right because he has been. Uh, I think it's worked out pretty well. We got we got like 90 seconds here, actually, right real quick. We're going to see Chris Bassett tomorrow uh, once again. He has made. Start after start after start where he's gotten better and better and better. Yes. I think the next step after what we saw last time, I would be like, you know, eight innings of no run ball. World but, domination. Yeah, we're, exactly. What, what are you expecting out of Bassett real quick? I think if, if he gives you a consistent outing, uh, you will take it. If he gives you a quality start, that's perfect. If he goes beyond seven innings, that would be stellar okay. um, for the Blue Jays. But with a guy like Chris Bassett, I would say that maybe the baseline is just consistent six innings and not a handful of runs and whatever else you get from that, then you're, you're golden. Yeah. Consistency was, was his middle name in both Oakland and New York. So I think you want to see a little bit more of that. Certainly as a blue Jay as well. And the last three starts have definitely shown it, shown it. Uh, that's Julia Kreutz. I'm show Ali. Thank you for listening to blue Jays baseball brought to you by crown rust protection, Marvel studios, guardians of the galaxy, volume three coming to theaters May 5th to celebrate Crown, Canada's number one rust protection, offering a special spring promotion inspired by the movie. Visit crown.com for details. See Marvel Studios' Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 only in theaters May 5th. For Julia, Ben Wagner, Blake Murphy, Tom Young, Nick Blackmore, that does it for us on Jay's Talk. Jays take the series with a 5-1 win over the Yankees in the Bronx tomorrow. Back at home to take the White Sox at home at Rogers Center. Blair and Barker have Jay's Talk all week. I'm back next weekend. We'll talk to you then.